The book of Psalms is usually associated with King David. That's who you think of. Uh, this Psalm 73 is not written by King David, but he's a contemporary of King David. Uh, his name is a man named Asaph. Now, Asaph first appears in the Bible uh, when David is bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. So he appoints Asaph and a couple other men. And Asaph is one of the people singing before the ark. So there's a procession. David is, David is dancing before the Lord, singing, rejoicing. And these men are singing praises to God. It's not recorded what they said or what they, you know, or how, even how really it looked other than you hear David making a fool of himself, uh, supposedly, at least in the eyes of somebody. Uh, but Asaph, Asaph later becomes a director of music in the temple under Solomon. And he is also considered a prophet and a seer, according to scripture. So this, this is a man who fears God. This is a man who is responsible for 11 psalms, Psalm 73 through 83, and Psalm 50 in our Bible are psalms of Asaph. So this is, this is a godly man. Uh, in Psalm 73, he's going to tell a personal story that in this psalm of how he's, he's well nigh to falling away from God because he's stumbling over something. And it's something an internal struggle he has. And he's watching other people and he just doesn't understand something. And, and God is, there's lots of things in life that don't make sense to us in our natural minds. There's lots of things in life that if we just take it on face value and what we think, it might make us stumble. It might make us go, well, what's the use in serving God? And Asaph, a, God, a man that the Holy Spirit used to write Holy Scripture, was in such a place. He's going to, and this is, and this is, this is, the Psalm 73 is kind of his experience here. He was a man like all of us. If you look at scripture, you, you know it's not written by men because the men themselves have their, a lot of times their flaws are revealed. You see Peter's flaws. You see David's flaws. You see Abraham's flaws. You even see Moses' flaws. But God, his grace is sufficient for us. Amen. He says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So if you're feeling weak today, that's good news. Because when, Paul says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because, because God's power can reign in me and, and, and rule in me. It's by grace we've been saved and not by faith, not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So let's get into the text. He starts out, truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. So he's kind of setting, a, he's kind of setting an anchor here to start, because he's, he's going, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a different direction here, but I'm going to let you know, truly God is good to Israel and to all who are pure in heart. 
Then he changes direction in verse 2. It says, if you've got your text in front of you, For I was envious, but, my, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So he's, he's watching wicked people prosper. He's, he's, it's, it, instead of asking God, he's going, this isn't fair. Says, for I, in verse 3, he says, For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity. Envy. Envy is one of those sins that, pe- that hide inside of us. A lot of times, no one knows it's there. It's something that we need to be aware that we're very capable of. It's something that eats you up inside. It causes you to look at other, what other people have and want that. To desire what they have instead of what God has given you. I mean, the Word of God says to be content with what you have. So when you're not being content with what God's given, be careful. There's something, sometimes there's something that's, that's, that's churning and you may not even know it's there. Well, this envy creeps up in Asaph's heart and it grows and it grows and it kind of takes over. It takes over. It causes us to become discontented or covetous or with regard to what others may have and that we don't. And that's a never-ending cycle. You, if, you, if there's envy in your heart, you're never going to be satisfied because there's always somebody that has something you want, something better. Maybe you're, you know, more, better, you know their car or their abilities or anything. Envy is something we need to ask God to search our hearts for. Amen. Because obviously this man of God who, who led worship before God in the temple, who, who wrote psalms and was considered a leader in Israel, a prophet, it, it could bring him down. The, the word of God says, let him that standeth take heed lest he fall. None of us are infallible. None of us are, are perfect. None of us, we have to be careful. We've got to watch our step. Verse 4. He's, he goes into describing what these people are like. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore pride is their necklace, and violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault to them. And they say, How can God know? 
And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. Look at, look at these folks. I'm going to just look at a few things. They have no real pain until they die, and they look good. They just, everything just seems to go their way. They look good. And back then, their bodies are fat. <laughs> that, was a, that was a positive back then. No real troubles. No real struggles. It seemed. To, this is, now this is to his eyes. He's watching these people. Therefore pride is like a necklace around their neck. And they are arrogantly violent and threatening to people. So, they set their mouth against the heavens. They think they can say whatever they want. They curse God. They vainly use his name. They mock the things of God. Their tongue struts through the earth. Everyone know what a strut is? It's like the cock of the walk. He's, he's strutting in the chicken coop. Or somebody that just thinks there's something. But their tongue is doing that. So they, they just say whatever, they, whatever comes to their mind. They say whatever. They don't care about anybody or anything. It's just, they just say hurtful, proud, nasty stuff. And they don't. They think nobody's, nobody's listening and no, nothing's going to happen to them. Have you, have, you seen, have you seen how people talk today? I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot uh, rawer than I, when I was younger. There was, there was a lot of raw talk when I was younger, but it's just, if you notice how intensifying it is, that words that word, words that would make you cringe now are just common from 10, 20 years ago. They're like they're like they're just common common old prepositions and adjectives now. They're not even they're not considered they're not even almost people don't even treat them like the curse words anymore. And then it goes further. It says they think, say things like, "How does God know?" Is there knowledge in the Most High? They question God and mock Him. I mean, God doesn't know anything. What does He know? The God that created everything. That's how high they are in their own opinion. They know better than God. Verse 12 says, Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They're just relaxing, doing what they want. Everything is going their way. And this makes Asaph, it just, it eats him up inside. He's envious. He allows that to grow in his heart. And now he's kind of on the edge. He says in verse 13, all in vain have I kept my heart clean 
and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. Do you ever feel that way as a Christian? Some days I'm trying to live for you, God. Why is all this stuff happening? I'm seeking you, Lord. I love you. I want to follow you. Why is everything just not going my way? Why is everything going wrong? I mean, Asaph is, says he's stricken and rebuked every morning. That's how he feels. He, he feels, maybe he feels unappreciated. He feels rebuked. So maybe he's getting opposition from people in his heart. Maybe he's feeling guilty because God's revealing sin in his life. He just he says, what's the use? I mean, I'm doing, trying to do right, and these people aren't doing anything right, and look at their life and look at mine. Maybe these people, some of these people were his neighbors, and he could watch them. Because living in Jerusalem... People were right adjacent to each other. Maybe these were, some of these people were his neighbors in his neighborhood, and, and he watched their lives. In verse 15, he says, If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. So deep down, he knows this isn't right for him to think this way. He, and, that's, and that's a good thing. Don't don't spread. You know, don't spread the, your bad stuff to other people. You know, it's better to deal with it internally and, and struggle than to spread it around because it, he knows it's not true. He says he's he worries he's worried about what other people hurting other people. He's not he doesn't want to say this out loud. And there's some things you're better off not saying out loud. Maybe to somebody that you trust. And to God. He still is struggling in verse 16. He says, But when I thought to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. He just could, could not understand this. There are things that we just don't understand in this life, on our own, okay? There are things... David says there are things that are too high for me. I cannot attain to them. I can't understand them. Solomon says that which is crooked cannot be made straight and that which is lacking cannot be numbered. There are some things because this world is sinful and wicked aren't going to be made right on this side of eternity. They are crooked. The world is under a curse, we know, because of sin. This isn't our home. This is not our home. Then it all changes. It all changes. He walks until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. So 
Sometimes you're not going to get an answer until you get a hold of God. If you're really struggling with something, you need to get a hold of God. He went into God's sanctuary, maybe to sing, maybe just to pray. And God himself touched him. He touched him in his heart, in his mind, and he, God revealed to him what we're going to read here. And we need that. Amen. There's a reason God gave us this book. He allowed us, in, in, in this time, in this age, to have the Bible available to us. We need, we need what he says. Because we need our mind renewed. We need our mind refreshed. We need him to speak to us. And this is the primary means. This is through his, his written word. We need to go to him in his sanctuary. And what, is, what would a sanctuary be? It's where the God's presence is. We need to go where God's presence is. We know he inspired this, this book. We know it says all scripture is God-breathed and is profitable for correction, reproof, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. He's given us this. He's, he's given you the ability to pray, to seek God, to call out to him, to ask for help. He's also given you brothers and sisters who can talk with you and pray with you and help you. The, the body of Christ Sometimes you, most of, all the time really, but you, we need God's help. We need him. And he couldn't, he couldn't get there until he went into the sanctuary of God. Then God gives him this revelation. Truly you set them in slippery places to make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly, by terrors. Wow, that's a, big, that's a big difference. They're living on the edge of a volcano. Right on the edge of a cliff. Uh, the other, other day, I don't know, it was a few months ago, I saw on YouTube this active volcano in the South Pacific near New Zealand that people routinely went to on tour boats. And they, and they walked around, they would walk around this Volcano that had steam coming out of it. It was a tourist attraction. Then one day, without warning, it exploded. It blew sky high, and dozens of people were killed. And people, some of the people barely got on the boat, and they're filming it as this thing's just exploding. But that's, that's how God sees the lives of folks who are living this way. That's, that's really what's going on. They are like one step from that volcano exploding. They're one step from the edge of the abyss, the cliff, to fall. It's a slippery slope. And they don't know when it's going to happen. Because it says, How are they destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors? Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you will despise them as phantoms. Things aren't what we see with the eyes. Okay? 
I mean, if, sometimes we rely too much on this and not on what this says, okay? We need to, to look at the world through, through God's eyes. And the only way I know to do that is to, is to, on my knees, read this book and ask God to show me. That's the only way there is. Because that's reality. Reality is not what we see with our eyes. It says the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So Asaph, he wakes up. It's like he, it's like he wakes up from us. God wakes him up after he understands this. He says, When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in my heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. You ever feel that way? When, if you've been acting really foolishly and you realize it? Asaph was, he said, I feel like a big, dumb animal. I mean, what was I thinking? What was I doing? He repents. Then he, then he says, this, this beautiful, beautiful thing. Verse 23 says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. Like that song we sang today, He will hold me fast. He was right on the edge. At least he felt like he was. But God had mercy and held him fast. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will receive me to glory. Who have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I think that was our church bulletin thing recently. Who have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. And that's where the place God wants to get us to. Where are our desires? Is there, is there nothing on earth you, you desire besides God? Or are there other, a lot of other things you desire besides God? Who have I in heaven but you? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So even when you're at your lowest, even when you're on the edge, even when your body is hurting, even when your heart is disturbed or anxious or in fear, God is the strength of your heart and your portion forever. He is your portion. 
that, that attitude needs to, we need to permeate that attitude in, the, in our hearts. It says, they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. When you say, God is my portion, he's my reward, your reward is not this life. We leave, we're we're going to leave this flesh behind. Immortality will put on immortality. All of us someday. We don't know when. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up together in the air and, and to be with the Lord forever. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. He summarizes, For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who was unfaithful to you. And that's a reality too. The word of God, it's, it's, it's very plain. In our modern era, we have soft-brushed the punishment that is coming. For those who aren't following God, we, we may talk about heaven, but it says, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. The word of God says, the wicked shall be cast into hell and all the nations that forget God. And vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. It is a fearful hand, fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. In this, in this time, it's been a crazy year. It seems evil and confusion is accelerating and increasing. Has, has everyone felt kind of like, where do I live now? What's going on? And people are just behaving irrationally and just all kinds of things are happening that don't make sense. And they're not good, most of them aren't good things. We have an election coming uh, that can, who knows what direction the country will go. There's a lot of division and confusion in the land. We need to cling to God. Amen. He is our rock. He is our fortress. He is our king. Amen. I, I want to flip over to Psalm 37. I'm just going to read Psalm 30, some parts of Psalm, Psalm 37 because it, it's the antidote for Asaph's predicament. This is a psalm of David. That was, is that the fire alarm? Or something else? Okay, well, I was talking about hell earlier, so. so but, but, okay. Psalm 37. Fret not yourself. So we need to take, take, take the word to heart. It's not enough just to, to read it. 
We need to, to take it in, believe it, and, and trust in God. It's, it says, if you're, if you're anxious, if you're worried about the future, it says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they shall soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. herb. You never, ever notice how fast, after you cut your grass, that grass becomes br- yellow, brown? It doesn't take long, does it? That's how fast. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Trust in him and keep doing good. The Bible says that do not be weary in well-doing. So don't give up doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In our season, just keep doing what's good and right in the eyes of God. Keep parenting. Keep loving your husbands and wives. Keep serving God. For in due season we will reap if we faint not. Befriend faithfulness. Make friends with faithfulness. So the the opposite of that is unfaithful. Become, become faithful. And this is really important. Delight yourself in the Lord. What do you delight in? Just look at your, I mean, be honest. Look at yourself. What do you like? It says to delight yourself in the Lord. Amen. And if you don't feel like you're delighting in him, ask him. To make, for him to make you Make him your delight. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. He will give you what you delight in, if it's him. Commit your way to the Lord, and trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. You know, who, who, who is bringing your righteousness and justice forth? He's doing it. He will do it. You say, I want to be a light for Jesus. If you do these things, he will bring it forth out of your life. This is also very important. It says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger, forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it only tends to evil. So if, you're, if we're sitting around worrying about what's going to happen and getting angry about it, getting all uptight, losing sleep, it says to refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it only tends to evil. So you're not helping anything. You're not helping yourself, you're not helping your family, you're not helping anybody by getting angry and wrathful over what you see. It says be still before the Lord. So that picture is you are waiting on God patiently. 
Now, God doesn't work in our timing. We want things, if the drive-thru takes more than three minutes, we're like, hey, hey, where's my stuff? Wait patiently before the Lord. Rest. Do you not think he has this? We, we are not to be like those people that says, does God know? Does, does their knowledge in the Most High? He knows. He sees. He is God and God alone. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundance of peace. The Lord is coming. And he says to fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's all yours. You just got to wait for it. You need to wait patiently. He goes on, the wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees his day is coming. People, the devil, whoever may be plotting against you, what is God's response to that? He says he laughs. In Psalms 2, he says, another place he says, the nations are plotting against the Lord, and he laughs. Your God has all power Amen. in heaven and earth. He knows the future. He knows everything. He laughs. And because he laughs, you can laugh. I can laugh. When my God can laugh, I can laugh. Because he's in charge. And I'm with him. I'm going through with Jesus. I'm going through with him. I'm with him. I'm nothing, but I'm with him. He laughs because he sees the day is coming. And, and this is something, another, you know, we, another thing we... I don't know, this era we don't preach much about. But he is coming. There is going to be an accounting. I mean, there's the judgment seat of Christ for us who know Christ. And there's a great white throne judgment coming for those who don't know God. The folks that Asaph knew, his neighbors probably, they're not getting away with it. There will be justice. There will be justice. Maybe not in this life. But in, there, and it will, he will give justice Amen. to all the oppressed. He will reward the righteous and also punish those who do not know him, who have, re, who have rejected him, have rejected his sacrifice, his son. Because God has opened the way to heaven. He has said, come, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He has said, 
Ho, come to the waters and drink. You who have no money, come buy and eat. He says, come. The feast is ready. Come to my feast. Most, most say no. Some say yes. He says, come. That's why his judgment is fair. He's provided everything we need. He has done He has not spared his own son. How shall he not freely give us all things? The Lord knows the days of the blameless in verse 18. And their heritage remains forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine they have abundance. You are secure in him. You need to laugh today. In spite of COVID, in spite of uncertainty, in spite of insurrection, and whatever, whatever is going on in the, in the country, or at your home, or wherever. If you're with Jesus today, you need to laugh. Because your God is laughing. He's laughing because he has all power. And you can laugh because you are in the palm of his hand. And he's not letting go of you. And you're going through with him no matter what happens. Praise the Lord. Let's pray.